Know Your Food with Warty, episode 122. For links and more, visit the show notes at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 122. Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Food with Warty. I'm Warty in Southwest Oregon, a traditional food blogger at ganalflins.com and knowyourfoodpodcast.com. I'm glad you're here. This is the podcast where we're all about ditching those poisonous processed foods, breaking free from the conventional food paradigm, and instead embracing whole foods raised, saved, and prepared with traditional methods. It's fun, it's delicious, and it's healthy. You're on your way to looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good. Welcome everyone. This is a great episode. I'm calling it Einkorn 101 because it's a great introduction to that wonderful ancient grain Einkorn. In our family, we've been enjoying it for a year or more. And I have to say it's a grain that I can eat that doesn't trigger my seasonal allergies. And it's one key part of the reason that I have been seasonal allergy free for several years now. Uh, beginning with starting the GAPS diet, doing the GAPS diet, and then staying off of modern wheat uh, and keeping sugar low. So it's just a key part of my maintenance and being allergy-free. So I love einkorn, and I'm thrilled to introduce you to it. My guest is Jade Coyle, and you're going to hear all about him in a bit, but it's just going to be a wonderful episode. Before we get to that, I want to talk about the tip of the week. And it actually comes out of this episode. Uh, Jade talked about something near the end, and I just want to pull it out and put it up here at the front, the tip of the week. Um, I moved something else out of the way because this was so appropriate. So if you're baking with einkorn, einkorn doesn't absorb water as much as um, other grains, especially modern wheat. So you end up with wet dough. And you want to resist the... um, a strong feeling to add more flour because that's not good. Uh, you could end up with dry, crumbly mess. Um, so one thing you do is to reduce the amount of water used in the recipe, but another thing you can do is just to help the einkorn along to absorb excess water. And so you want to add a small amount of coconut flour to your recipe. Um, depending on what the recipe is, how much you add. And this is going to be up to your experimentation. I just heard about this uh, for the first time today from Jade. Uh, So I'm going to be trying it, but I didn't want to waste any time telling you about it. So if you're experimenting with einkorn, just try adding a tablespoon of coconut flour. If it's a big recipe, go up to a half cup. Be sure to let me know your results. But that is the tip of the week. And if you end up Um, loving it. I'd love to hear from you. I just think it's awesome because wet dough is an issue when baking with einkorn. And so to add that coconut flour that absorbs the water is going to be a great tip to help us all in our kitchens. Okay, so it's time to hear from Jade Coyle. He is einkorn.com and his story is amazing. Um, And he has some great things to share with us about einkorn to further our einkorn education. So I'm going to turn to my visit with Jade now and just be sure to visit the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 122 if you have any questions. Thanks everyone. Talk to you soon. Hi, I'm Wardy, a traditional cooking expert and food blogger at traditionalcookingschool.com. For years, my family struggled with food-related health problems like eczema and food allergies, but we don't anymore. And I'd love to show you that preparing whole foods with traditional methods is easy, delicious, and super good for you too. So just go to traditionalcookingschool.com free, and I'll show you how easily you can do it too. I'll give you five free videos that include my favorite traditional cooking techniques, plus printable at-a-glance fact sheets as a handy reference. So if you're ready to start looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good, then visit traditionalcookingschool.com slash free today. Hey everyone, this is Wardy and I'm here with Jade Coyle. Hi Jade. Hi Wardy. Welcome. I'm so glad you could join me today. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Great. Well, this is going to be a fantastic episode because Jade is the ancient grains man. Um, and specifically, we're going to talk about einkorn. My vision for today is that Jade and I would be giving you all a great education about one of the 
best ancient grains out there that uh, my family loves personally, and that's einkorn. So this is einkorn 101, everyone. Um, before we get into that, though, I would like our listeners to get to know you, Jade. So tell us about you and your family. Okay, great. Well, we live in Teton, Idaho, and most people know where the Grand Teton Mountains are, uh, Jackson Hole area. We, we are on the Idaho side of that in the foothills. And a lot of grain has grown up here in uh, the, the hills with um, it being a cool climate generally and um, dry. You know, it's ideal for growing wheat. Um, but I, I didn't grow up here. I actually grew up in uh, cent south central Idaho in a town called Gooding. And I grew up with my family there on a family farm. And I had the, the best upbringing <laughs> that a, a boy could ask for. Um, my, you know, most of it was, we, there were 12 kids in the family, so a large family, and, and um, we obviously worked on the farm, and m meals were prepared from scratch and uh, by hand, and, and uh, we worked hard, and we ate well, um, and, and I grew there with an appreciation for, uh, because of my mom, she focused a lot on health and natural solutions, which in those days was very unusual. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, and then on the farm, my dad was very good about getting us involved in the farm and I grew to love farming. I loved planting and watching the crops grow and caring for them. And it was a big part of my life. And, and even when I moved out of the house, I, I, I left with a love for the farm and I hope to come back to it at some point. Um, but obviously my parents encouraged us to go and explore the world and learn and, and gain gain experience, which which I did and went on to start a career in online marketing um, after I got some education and experience. And for the next years I did I did great in in that industry. But obviously my heart was still back on the farm and uh, my wife and I are both from Idaho, so we wanted to move back. And uh, we were really happy when we were able to do that back in 2012 and uh, bring our family up here. We have six children, and my wife, Julie, is um, very involved with, uh, you know, not only what, what we're doing here, but we, we work closely together with our family to try to teach and learn together. And, and eating, eating well is a big focus of ours. It's something that we are passionate about, not... Um, not excessively, and that uh, we we don't enjoy eating a lot of different kinds of foods. We do, but um, we we try to provide really healthy food for the family and teach the family how to prepare and to to live in a way that you know be able to take care of their bodies and feel good. And um, you know, as we've experienced that journey, Wardy, I think the biggest thing is as a family, we've we've learned the importance of not just how you prepare your foods, um, which has been critical to learn. I, it, it's that, that learning how to prepare foods. I go back to my mom making sourdough, um, hard red wheat, whole wheat bread back on the farm and learning how to do that. You know, that was really a, 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 a challenge for her to learn how to do that with that hard, um, hard red wheat. And, um, you know, hard, hard white wheat came out since then, and it, it got a little bit better. But you start looking at all these products in, um, that agriculture has produced, and, and we realize as a family, and I think that a lot of people are realizing that it's in how we prepare it, but also the ingredients that we use. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's been a big focus of ours as a family. Yes. Well, it sounds like you've had a wonderful life, and you're providing a wonderful life for your family now. Um, everyone who's listening, if you'd like to see a beautiful picture of Jade's family, just visit the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 122, and that's for episode 122. So Jade, let's talk about uh, what we're going to get into today, which is ancient grains, specifically einkorn. I'd like you to start, though, telling us about your initial interest in ancient grains, um, because it's more than just einkorn for you, although it seems like einkorn's a particular focus now, but how did you get into ancient grains? Well, a friend of mine was, and I were talking, and this was back in probably 2008 when 
we, we started discussing this is that I had a, a real interest in getting back into agriculture and, and working on something that could really benefit the family, get, get my family involved and, um, and do some good in the world. And he, he's a scientist and brilliant person that uh, is great at research and his family was having a lot of issues with gluten and in those days you know, t today gluten-free diets are the rage in some some cases but back then it wasn't as much but he he was really researching gluten and, and concerned about the effects on his family and um, so he, he started researching it and kind of came across some initial stuff around well, maybe it's it's in the wheat that you know the actual source ingredient, and and uh, like I said, really smart guy had a lot access to a lot of research, and that's when he stumbled upon einkorn, and began researching it. And there were even some studies that have been done at that point that said that einkorn may have dietary possibilities for sufferers of celiac disease, which is a big statement to make. It wasn't a claim, but it was you know, kind of opening the door to possibilities mm -hmm. there. And um, anyway, he shared that with me. One day we were at a, uh, a meeting, and, and uh, after the meeting we just were visiting, and he brought it up to me, and I thought, well, that's really interesting. And I, I went home, and I started researching it, and I was just, I was so interested in what was happening because I, I had never considered that the possibility that wheat might you know, the actual wheat that we grow, even though, you know, if, even if it's grown organically, um, just the makeup of that wheat could be the problem. Um, now, your, if I could interrupt we you, able, your, your friend had issues, yeah, health issues. In your family, you or your wife or any of your children at that point, were you experiencing anything? Or, or was your interest purely, like, sort of well, your eyes I'm were born opened? had a, a lot of interest. Um, so my interest was in the agricultural side of it and the health benefits. Um, even though our, our family was not having gluten sensitivities per se, um, I, I still was concerned about the digestibility of wheat, which we will talk more about here a little, little bit later on in, in comparing the different types of wheat with einkorn, because I think that's important. Mm -hmm. But um, more than even the um, the gluten issue, einkorn has a lot of other benefits mm -hmm. in terms of you know it's really good with uh, high, high in lutein, high in protein, um, has uh, a lot of antioxidative qualities, and um, those antioxidants obviously help our bodies with how they deal with free radicals that can ultimately lead to cancer. So um, th those benefits. And just general health, it was it was a big interest of ours. Mm -hmm. So and, you were and, you were already open and receptive to this idea of health benefits and such, and a strong interest in agriculture. And then that your paths kind of coincided with your friend who had a health need. Yes. And that just opened a big, huge door. It sounds like. <laughs> it it did, and and I didn't expect it to go anywhere. Honestly, we we were able to buy the domain name einkorn.com and put up a blog and being an internet marketing that wasn't a big thing for me I just kind of did it and, and expected to, to be a little bit of a journey and interesting but we were immediately contacted from people around the world and and I mean that from all over mm -hmm. and and we're and initially it wasn't like average um, households it was you know researchers and farmers who were dabbling in some of that stuff or uh, universities that we're, we're looking at, uh, you know, research people at the universities that were looking at this. And so they were asking questions. They were asking me questions I didn't have answers to, but good questions. And I immediately got context on what was happening. And, and it was a big interest and focus among this group of people. And not for the commercial aspects of it, which, again, I didn't expect it to turn into a commercial endeavor, but it it just continued to blossom and grow into that. But these people were immediately, you know, asking for, um, you know, sources of it, uh, testing on it. And 
I was asked about all kinds of different tests that I didn't know, even know existed as it related to wheat. So I learned a lot. And I learned a lot about what makes einkorn unique mm-hmm. as we started to, you know, be exposed to those things, which we don't need to go into. Some of it we'll cover a little bit later here, but we were, our eyes were just open to um, the different types of uh, issues that related to weed and, the, and the, what people were working on. Some of them were delete, disease related, so more on the agricultural side, and some of them were more culinary, mm-hmm. and some of them were more health related. And, mm-hmm. and all of those groups of people were excited about einkorn and, and interested in, in getting some that they could begin testing with. Well, how amazing. There, I love stories like that where people put themselves out there, something they're learning, um, and it's resonated. It just happens to be the right timing because there's all kinds of other people interested, and it's just the opportunity is there then for people to make contact and collaborate and communicate their needs, and then you rose to the occasion. You know, you've been facilitating this interest with testing and growing and helping with sourcing and all that so pat on the back to you (laughs) and also just how wonderful it is um that you know you facilitated this 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 kind of worldwide uh resurgence or interest you bring up a good point and for me learning is what excites me every day. I, I love to learn and learn how to do things and understand things. And and Einkorn has has definitely, if you want to call it that, scratched that itch for me because uh, sometimes my wife will say, Jade, why are you doing this? You know, what 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 drives you to keep doing this? And and I just I just feel like it, it's really something that needs to be done. I enjoy doing it. There's obviously now a really great need for it um, out there and, and we'll talk about why a little bit later but I didn't I didn't realize that at first you know the the issues around it and supply and all that but einkorn is is isn't the easiest grain to work with from an agricultural standpoint so mm-hmm. so let's get into einkorn now um, starting with just the very basics so if you could just to ex- explain to us what einkorn is and some of its main benefits. Yeah, so einkorn is a German word that means single spikelet. So if you go out into a field of wheat that's ready to harvest and you pull the head of the wheat off, as we call it, which is the portion at the top that holds the grains, and you look at that, in most um, and there are a lot of different types of grains out there, but in your, your hard white, hard red, soft white wheat, you're going to see double rows, rows of, of kernels on both sides of that head. But einkorn has just a single row on each side. And so the um, einkorn is, some, some, uh, the people who, who classify species um, are called taxonomists. And so some taxonomists even consider einkorn to not be wheat because genetically speaking, um, it is such a different plant. It's a, it's a diploid species, which means it has 14 chromosomes, whereas most of the wheat, wheat today has 42 chromosomes. And you know, does that matter from a health standpoint? We don't know, but it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, einkorn the the uh, you know how einkorn evolved it, it began in the Fertile Crescent in the mountains of of Turkey, and then it spread from there. And although einkorn was the first wheat to be domesticated at that time, um, einkorn crossed with a goat grass and formed emmer wheat. Oh. And emmer wheat was higher yielding. It was um, a more it was is more advantageous for the farmers in the area. And they were able to grow it. It, it. it basically overtook einkorn really fast once it came out. And so even though einkorn continued and it kind of, there were, there were pockets of people who farmed it, they probably didn't know there were different types of seeds. You know, they just grew what they had. So it, it was able to continue. And, and it um, ha, uh, even, even today, there are still, um, you know, wild and, and domesticated um, grains, uh, einkorn seeds growing out there in, in Turkey and Iraq and Syria. And, but 
but from a, a, a commercial standpoint, if you want to call it that back then, the, the focus was on emmer. Okay. And emmer eventually crossed and, and developed spelt wheat. And so most people know what spelt is. That's more common today. But mm -hmm. you can see that although einkorn and spelt are related, um, they're, they're really two different branches of the tree, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so spelt um, then, well, I, I won't go into the history of, of spelt and all that. But anyway, so einkorn is a different branch of the tree. It has um, a different history, the same genetic the the same chromosomal um, what would you call it the uh, taxonomy wise it, it has a uh, very similarity to you know it's similar to like fruits and vegetables they're also a diploid species they're not um, as complex uh, genetically if that means anything we don't know mm -hmm. but I, I consider it to be significant and one of the the biggest things about einkorn. Uh, that differentiates it from any other type of wheat. Another one that is really important is that einkorn is assimilated into our blood more slowly. So it's not going to spike your blood sugar as much. And I love what you're doing, Wardy, in terms of teaching people traditional methods for uh, preparing foods. Because even though we believe einkorn and, and have seen the health benefits in our family, it's, it's the only wheat that we eat. Um, it, we also use these, these traditional methods like uh, sourdough and natural leavening to prepare it because it helps our bodies above and beyond what um, yeah. it does if you're using a yeast. You know, yeast of, in and of itself isn't as healthy as natural yeast. And, and so even though the, the, there are different levels and different ways at which we can prepare these foods to make them more healthy, we try to use the best practices that are out there. So what but, you're saying is, though, that even even without using traditional methods, einkorn is easier to, to digest and better for us than modern wheat. And then if you combine that with traditional methods, you're kind of getting the best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you clarified that. Einkorn has half the amount of phytic acid as modern wheat. Wow. And so... Anybody that does uh, sourdough knows that, that phytic acid, it, it, it uh, keeps our body from being able to assimilate the nutrients in the food. And so if you just were to, for example, go make cookies and not make them uh, through natural leaven, natural leavening or, or sourdough, which there are reasons why sometimes they're not as you know, tasty, right? <laughs> um, but so if you make a cookie and, and you don't use natural leavening for it, which is usually how we do it, we don't use natural leavening in our cookies, you're getting more benefit out of that. Yeah. But, but going back to the glycemic index in einkorn, um, even though it doesn't spike our sugar, it's still a carb, right? right. It, it, einkorn is a carb, and it will uh, affect your blood sugar. And the more that we refine it, the more it's going to affect our affect our blood sugar more quickly. So when we mill it and turn it into flour, that has the effects. And that's why natural leavening is really important too, because again, it helps. Once you use the natural leavening, it helps on the assimilation into our blood sugar that way. Right, because so, the sourdough starter, those organisms are consuming some of that starch, some of that exactly. sugar for us. So then we have a reduced, I guess, carb load or starch load when we then consume the end product. Exactly. And, and so it's real important, and, and I always emphasize this with people, that einkorn is healthy, but we still want to use these traditional methods whenever we can because there are health benefits for them. Mm -hmm. And in our audience, you know, it's um, our customers, it's, it's one of the big things that they're trying to learn. And, and generally, people out there, they just don't realize that these traditional methods have so many health benefits. They thought that's just how it was done because that's the only way we knew, but there are a lot of health benefits to it. But sure. going back to einkorn, the, the three kind of legged stool that I, I say that einkorn is really important. One is the genetic makeup okay. and it's gen genetically primitive, right? It's the most primitive form of wheat on earth. Two is the glycemic index. And, and then three is the phytic acid. Gotcha. And there are a lot of other benefits that we've talked about. Um, we, you know, it's high in lutein, high in protein, and it has it high in other antioxidants as well as lutein. And um, the, these all are, are definitely health benefits. 
But I think those three are, are the biggest ones when it comes to Einborn. Mm-hmm. Great. That was a great summary. Thank you for that. So if you were going to contrast it with modern wheat, and let's skip the emmer and the spelt and the kamut and the rye and everything else that's yeah. in between, um, what are the main differences then? Just summarize that of einkorn versus modern wheat. And you could even get into like telling us the implication of them. Like, you know, einkorn is different from modern wheat in this way, and this is what it means. Yeah, so one of my first exposures to this on a research level was with some plant breeders I was interested to see how they looked at einkorn. I, I just I knew that they knew about it, and as a plant breeder, your job is to produce. You, you have two main customers: you have the farmer and you have the mill. And and you have the end consumer, but the mill is really kind of encapsulating the end consumer's needs because, and I'll come to that in just a minute, but. They're, they're trying to produce for the farmer a grain that has a short stock so that when you when, when it gets later in harvest and they're watering it so that the grain doesn't lay down and it's called lodging. Lodging is a big issue with farming because if the, gra- the grain lays over it, it may not mature fully and it can be difficult to harvest. And so they want to develop a variety that has a, a short stock and then they want to have a high yield. And there are other factors that they'll look at um, you know, in, in terms of uh, the overall life, you know, days to maturation, uh, how, how long it takes to grow. Can you plant it in the fall or only in the spring? Or mm-hmm. is it facultative, meaning you can plant it in the fall and the spring? Any So a plant breeder is concerned about that. A plant breeder is also concerned about milling. Um, you know, is it going to be used for breads or cookies or cakes and pastas? And, and so depending on the application and the use of it, they have to have a different product. So they're really trying to balance these different factors and produce the right product that everyone needs. Um, and when those are your main goals, which is important, you know, from their perspective to, to you know, that's what they're getting paid to do, right? They look at einkorn and it's so far away from modern wheat. Um, einkorn, like I said, it only has one, it has a double row of spikelets, one, one spikelet on each side um, and on the, of the head. And so right there, that tells you einkorn is going to be lower yielding. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's worse than that from a, an agricultural standpoint because a farmer looks at it and says, well, I could grow einkorn. It's really tall, and so I have the lodging concerns. It, it's lower yielding. But then once I do harvest it, it has this hole on it, uh, the husk or the hole, as we call it. And that hole has to be re- mechanically removed. And because that husk is so bulky, the seeds don't fit into containers as well. So a bushel of einkorn weighs 32 pounds and a bushel of wheat weighs 60 pounds. So it's twice as expensive to ship. The yield is a fraction of what modern wheat is. And then you have to pay these deholing expenses. So it's easy to understand from a farmer's standpoint why our einkorn is not necessarily attractive, which has been part of our challenge in getting farmers on board and um, you know, helping them to understand the mission, what we're trying to do, and begin just taking a chance with it. And, and in most cases, what we're doing is we're, we're guaranteeing them a certain level of production so that they can feel comfortable to do it. We're taking the risk, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are taking risks as well, and, and they have. And, we well, appreciate have you those, seen, those farmers that we worked with to I want to come back them. to you talking about the differences, but this is kind of a rabbit trail. But, you know, you started einkorn.com and people all over the world are looking for information. So in some ways, you're, you're talking to all these people who are probably willing to absorb some of that extra cost involved to get the quality product that they're looking for, for health reasons or because they're purely interested in you know, ancient rather than modern. Um, have you seen that to be true? Yes, to some degree. Um, the The challenge, is the probably the biggest challenge, is the mechanical equipment to dehole it. Mm-hmm. So, if we were to grow, go and grow it regionally in Alabama, for example, um, and I, not that a lot of wheat is grown there, it's not an ideal place to grow wheat. Uh, there may be some places, but generally speaking. Um, they don't have the facilities down there to dehole it. So you have to ship it somewhere where they have this special mechanical equipment for deholing it. 
Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And so it really is a regional project in that way, if that makes sense. So, so the de-hulling is really the biggest production issue. I mean, the others are significant as well, the lower yield, the uh, yeah. less density, but de-hulling is really the biggest thing. Is that what you're saying? Exactly, yes. Okay. And, it, and it's developing. I mean, the, the you would think that because spelt also has to, there, there yes. are varieties of spelt that are free threshing, but uh, spelt has to be de-hulled, but not all spelt de-hullers will de-hull einkorn ah. because einkorn doesn't de-hull as easily and, and it's a smaller grain. And so the sieves and the uh, mat, uh, the the um, word skipped my mind here, but the anyway the 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 insides of these dehullers in terms of how they process the the uh, remove the holes have to be different. The the uh, screens that's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Of. The screen sizes all have to be different, and they have to be different types of screens and and multiple screen processes, and and, and it changes the whole process. So anyway, we've we've used some dehullers. Who and this is the challenge with with this. We use some dehulling operations where we will lose sixty um, percent of the crop going through dehulling. Mm. And and so, you know, the first year that we planted einkorn, it was the the crop was ruined. The farmer got nothing off of it, and um, we paid the farmer, but we were not very excited about that. Obviously, <laughs> so we had to start over. And then you go to de-holing. But by the time you finally get some, and then you start de-holing, and then that doesn't work. We've had a lot of failures in in the process, but that's where I find joy is when we can really learn it and get get it working. And you know, we're harvesting einkorn right now in in uh, western Idaho, and it looks really good. You know, this is the first year we could say that, and the farmer is is happy about it and, and excited about it, and so. We're, we're excited, too. Well, I'm glad and, to hear uh, that because you've pretty much talked us all out of einkorn at this point. <laughs> uh, no. From a farmer's standpoint, you think, wow, what's the hope there? But there's <laughs> hope. And, and that's what we're working on is, you know, people may not realize this, but there are a lot of different types of einkorn out there. When, when you say einkorn, it's like saying wheat. Well, we already know there's hard red wheat, hard white wheat, soft white wheat. There's all the different types of wheat. And einkorn is like its own classification, kind of like wheat. There are different varieties of einkorn. There's, uh, visually speaking, if you were to compare them, some are, are blonde, some are brown, some are black. Um, and there are different sizes of einkorn seeds. And these variety, different varieties have different properties for bread making, for agriculture. So we're studying that. And we have conduct, we're conducting tests with um, one of the universities uh, nearby to compare these different types and then look at them not only from the agricultural benefits but also looking from the end customer standpoint and the milling because a lot of our customers do their own milling um, so not not only would we look at you know these medium-sized organic mills that we'll take the product to but also to the home and and looking at the benefits of these different types of einkorn and comparing them and really trying to evaluate what is going to be the best long term and so the success that we're having in the field is very significant for us, and it's part of a long-term process and effort to find solutions that will be beneficial to people and that eventually we can get the cost of einkorn down, which is ultimately the goal, because if you look out in the marketplace, ancient grains in general can be quite expensive. Yes. And, um, but that's not, we're not as used to that when it comes to ancient grain, ancient wheats like spelt. And, and so when you compare spelt to einkorn, einkorn's quite a bit more expensive for all the reasons that I've talked about. And, um, but it has a lot of health benefits that spelt does not have. And so it's that trade-off with where we are right now, but ultimately with a long-term goal of finding the, the, the right variety. And these seeds, you know, we, we got these seeds uh, through um, contacts that originally they, they got them in the 60s and 70s from Iraq and Afghanistan and you know the, the area of the Fertile Crescent where it originated and so these are the original einkorn seeds that we verified and we're beginning to develop them to the point that we can begin to study them. Mm-hmm. So what are your preliminary results showing in terms of varieties that are really good like for the home baker because I think Probably home millers and home bakers are the ones listening today, 
Um, yeah. So what's a good variety? And if someone was to purchase einkorn from you or from Jovial Foods or something, can we even ask for that variety? If, if, there, if you told us, get the blonde, you know. Right, yeah. Well, with me, you can. And, and we, we would love to begin having a dialogue with our customers on that kind of a level. And, and um, that is our goal eventually. Because I have some mills that will prefer the brown and some that will prefer the blonde. From the customer standpoint, they don't have the technical wherewithal to test it. And so they pretty much just use it, and the results they get, they live with, right? Right. And, and so there's the jovial einkorn, which I consider a blonde einkorn, and we have a, a blonde einkorn as well, as well as a, a brown einkorn. And so these, these are available commercially, and you should test with them. But then also realize, for example, um, jovial has a great product line of their blonde einkorn, uh, you might buy the whole berries and have one experience with them, but if you're buying their white flower, and I probably don't need to say this to this audience, but you know that white flower has had the germ and the um, ash taken out so that it's white, and it's going to bake differently. Whereas yeah. if you take <clears throat> the brown einkorn that you buy through einkorn.com and you mill it in your flour, your home flour mill, and you sift it out, and you make your own white flour. That would be an apples to apples comparison mm -hmm. to see for whatever you're making how you like it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. So, um, but you know, we we have some customers who say I want the blonde einkorn. I have some who say they want the brown, and <laughs> I can't. I I don't know how they're using it well enough to say why they prefer one or the other. I can tell you that. Um, the milling quality for bread of the brown einkorn um, seems to be better uh, this year than uh, the blonde. And so I, but, but you know, we'll, we'll test it. Once we get our harvest in this fall, we'll test all those factors again and, and look at those because we're, we're constantly changing and tweaking things to yeah. make improvements mm -hmm. and, um, and, and learning a lot for that. Goodness, so. this is fascinating. <laughs> I love this. Yeah, I, I, I kind of geek out sometimes with it, and I, I have to be careful, but I, I really enjoy learning this stuff because it is, it is fascinating. We don't even realize how much goes on under the hood of, of the bread and the grains. Even when we eat whole grains, we think it's whole grains, but there's still so much to learn and, right. and research. Well, so. and if you, like, I've, I've sourced ancient grains through various local farms. And I notice differences season to season or farm to farm. Oh yeah. Or what I use at home to mill it or whether I have them mill it versus me milling it. So it is very hard to get apples to apples comparison on the kind of artisan foods we're talking about. It is. And you know, that's part of the art of it. Um, like in, in these large mills that, you know, they'll, they'll produce a hundred thousand pounds of flour a day in a mill like that, um, kind of, you know, the, the, the large brand mills, you could call them, they have this down to a science yeah. where the product that they put out is exactly what the bakery needs. And then that bakery is going to go out that day and make, you know, tens of thousands of loaves of bread with it. And it's just a system that they have down. And, and I have a lot of respect for all of that because, I admire how they've been able to do it, but some of that process isn't um, in our best interest ultimately. And so I think it's really wise for people to take ownership of this and not get overwhelmed with it or feel like you have to understand it all, but continue to learn and explore and, and try to navigate it because in the long term, the more ownership we take of our health and our future, the more that we'll be able to control it. And I love seeing that in the marketplace where customers educated customers are able to come to me and say, I like this and this is why. And, and I get a lot of those and I mm -hmm. love having those conversations because I can really help them to navigate it based on exactly what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'll have people on the East coast who <clears throat> I've got this gentleman who he was taught how to make this specific bread by his mother and they're Italian and he wants to make this a specific bread. And we spent probably an hour on the phone talking through exactly what his process was with it. And so, okay, how, how to prepare the einkorn for that same process? Because not only are you dealing with a different 
different properties, but einkorn, um, you know, with different types of wheat, you, you deal with different properties, but einkorn is in a class of its own in that you use less water when you're baking with einkorn and um, you don't want to knead the bread or the dough nearly as much, especially if you're natural leavening. Uh, we don't, we don't need it at all. And um, it, anyway, just some of those key things with einkorn that uh, are re really helpful for people who are trying to get started with it because it's really frustrating at first when because einkorn has less gluten than than modern wheat and so learning how to work in that environment is a different type of gluten. Um, I, I have to say one more thing about that. It just struck this in my mind. So this is getting down to the detailed science, but einkorn it contains the A chromosome and einkorn when it joined with a goat grass to make emmer it received the B chromosome and spelt has the D chromosome. And so I'm lost already. Important is in a gluten <laughs> in a gluten-free facility, what they're testing for is the D chromosome. Oh. It's called the ELISA test, and they're gonna test is it is is the presence of the D chromosome below a certain level. If they detect that it's above that level, then it's not meeting the requirements of gluten-free. And so Einkorn contains only the A chromosome and, and will not trigger the ELISA test at all, but it does have gluten and that, that throws people off sometimes. It, it absolutely does have gluten. It's just a different type of gluten. So Interesting. I, I kind of went off on a, a rant, uh, uh, you know, a, a rabbit hole. I hope I didn't. Well, you know, far. that very well might be the most interesting tidbit of this whole episode. <laughs> I mean... If anybody's ever been confused on that test, that's why. <laughs> yes. Well, you started talking about um, peculiarities of einkorn and baking. I'm hoping you'll go into that a little bit more. So you said use less water, don't need hardly at all. Um, what other adjustments would someone have to make to bake with einkorn? Um, yeah, so... If, if you're making something, the, the natural tendency is to feel like you have to keep adding more flour because everyone who bakes, you know, you're used to how it looks and einkorn's going to throw you off. Even if you decrease your water by 25 to 50% and depending what you're making, it may, you may need to adjust that. But um, the, it, it, it can really throw you off when you look at your batter or at your dough and you're like, that is not going to work. It's too <laughs> sticky or it's too runny. And the thing though, it, it may not work. I don't <laughs> say that it's going to work for you at first, but it probably will if, if you've just reduced the water by 25 to 50%. And then don't, don't fall into the temptation of adding more flour if you do. Not, not right. much, because it's going to take away from your, it's going to change your flavor profile. And so just bake it and gain the experience yeah. and pay attention to what you did. Depending yeah. on your elevation, depending on where you are, all those factors are going to contribute. That's why I can't say it's 30% less water or whatever, mm -hmm. and, and depending what other ingredients you have. Um, you know, there are some recipes where ultimately you can't reduce the liquid. And um, and so in, the, in those ones, you might need to add a little bit more flour and, and some of the other key ingredients to keep the flavor profile right. But Typically, that's going to be the best way to handle it. And, and I will share a nugget here, which anybody who has baked with Eidcorn will appreciate. And I hope my wife doesn't mind me sharing this. Is it a secret? This is a secret. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, tell her so, thank you. <laughs> and, and I don't have the exact ratios on this. But if you are making Eidcorn bread, a very, very small, I'm talking like half of a cup of coconut flour will do wonders. Oh, because it absorbs. Coconut flour is very water absorbent, where the exactly. einkorn is much less than modern wheat or even the other ancient grains. Right, Totally. Exactly. Anyway, that is a so great tip. There's a great little tip. And, and you can use coconut flour in a lot of different recipes. You could probably add some flaxseed meal or ground chia seeds or something else that's yeah, you, water you absorbent, too. Basically, something to take up the water, and, and that's the, the main goal of it. So. Cool. So, um, what other adjustments? I was going to say, oh, I was going to, 
Yeah, could you talk about this, the stickiness factor? Um, and I, I just want to say that, like, my first introduction to ancient grains was spelt. So that's kind of the first ancient grain we okay, used yeah. moving away from wheat. And I noticed that spelt was very gloppy. And you can't add too much flour. You just got to deal with that sort of wetter, gloppier texture. And now baking with einkorn, I would say sticky is the yes, word. It is. Um, so it's maybe st- you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah, well, the first thing is just to recognize that it is going to be sticky and don't be frustrated by it. You can still make a beautiful loaf that will rise well. And if you're really concerned about the rise and uh, you're not as worried about the, you know, keeping the, the raw whole grain in there, you can sift the flour. We don't. As a family, we don't do that. But I know a lot of people who do. They'll sift their flour, and and they will remove, you know, some of the um, germ yeah. and the ash, and it will help. It it will rise better. And yeah, and it won't necessarily be less sticky, but it will rise a bit better. But but we we're able to get a good rise on our bread, and and not have to deal with that. Um, so not have to deal with the sifting. So it, it just depends on what your goals are. But I mean, obviously, if you're making a cake or something, you want to grind it really fine uh-huh. um, and then sift, sift it. it. And, and that, that's going to be a given. But some people are doing it with bread as well. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Jade, we got to wrap up here. But you have a special offer for our listeners. And listeners, I just want to tell you, you can find details about what Jade's going to tell you at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 122 for episode 122. Or you can go directly to it through knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash ancient or knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash einkorn if you know how to spell einkorn, E-I-N-K-O-R-N. So, Jade, tell us all about what you have for us. Okay, so we what we've seen with, with um, people who are ordering wheat through the Internet is that shipping is a big concern. And I have to say that I'm grateful for what's available for shipping because Einkord would not even exist without it. Um, you know, it's a relatively small community of people that are interested still in, in Einkorn. It's been growing steadily since we were involved, obviously, and um, uh, becoming a substantial effort. But still, if it wasn't for people being able to order from different parts of the world, really, and being able to ship that to them, it would not exist. But having said that, grains are heavy and they're expensive to ship. And so what we've put together is a free shipping offer for your audience. And they can go to, you know, either those links that you talked about, knowyourfood.com forward slash ancient or knowyourfood.com forward slash. knowyourfoodpodcast.com. Sorry. That's okay. Knowyourfoodpodcast.com forward slash ancient or knowyourfoodpodcast.com forward slash einkorn. And they can get access to the offer. And they'll notice that we have two packages that are available. One is kind of the starter package it's 15 pounds and that's the most that's the ideal one we recommend that you get 15 pounds is enough to get started to bake a number of different things and gain experience with it and then if you want more than that if you're already experienced with it and you want to purchase a supply you can purchase the 22 and a half pound now the 15 pound has two seven and a half pound sacks the 22 and a half pound has three seven and a half pound sacks and the sacks are made of paper, so the grains are not stored in plastic. These are certified organic grains, um, um, einkorn specifically. But when you, we, we also have customers that, you know, they want to store it or they want to acquire a larger supply. So we do do larger purchases like in sealed buckets with mylar bags for long-term storage. We have those options available. Um, but we put together these today in conjunction with this special offer so that people can get started. And when you go to check out through our website, just make sure you use this coupon code to get the free shipping. The coupon code is Know Your Food. And I'm guessing that'll be here on the page as well. But coupon yes. code again is Know Your Food. Great. And so let me just recap that. So Jade's putting together two starter packages with free shipping. So either the um, 15 pound or the 22 and a half pound package with free shipping. If you you know, try that, want more, you can, of course, move into, you know, the bigger packages, or you could do bigger packages right away. Free shipping is going to be on those two at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash ancient or knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash einkorn. And you just want to use the coupon code knowyourfood. And be aware that this 
offer doesn't last forever. So basically till the end of September. So September 30th, 2015 is the expiration date on this. Uh, Jade, thank you so much for your generous offer because shipping is huge. So for you to knock that off, that's wonderful. And, um, you know, you and I were talking beforehand about the care your company takes with shipping. Can you talk us talk to us about how, you know, even in the future on biggest packages, what you guys have gone through to make sure that shipping is as efficient and economical as possible? Yeah, so we, we've taken the dimensions of the standard USPS, um, you know, post, the U.S. Postal Service boxes, the flat rate priority boxes, and we've designed bags that fit specifically inside of those boxes. And so that way we know when we're shipping them out, we're getting as much in there as we possibly can. And that's why I recommend these two packages because you're, you're getting the most that you can out of your shipping for those. And um, just, you know, we try to waste as little space as possible and get the most out of the flat rate shipping. Awesome. Um, and so can you just tell us this is U.S. only? Or? Yeah, that's that's right. So U.S., which... Um, you know, anywhere you can ship a, a flat rate package is uh, Hawaii, Alaska included in that. But outside of those, we, we do ship internationally, but of course that would include the free shipping. And um, that, but we can ship up to 20 pounds internationally. So if you're international, be sure and just contact Jade through um, yeah. einkorn.com. He can tell you all your options. And if you're coming through from here, then of course tell him that you're coming through from Know Your Food with Wardy podcast. So so he can work that out with you. Well, thanks so much, Jade. It's been amazing. Uh, all the information about Einkorn, your generous offer, and especially just your time that you've shared with us. Thanks so much. Well, thank you. It's been great to be here. I hope it's helpful. And if anybody needs to reach out to me with questions, I hope they'll do that. I'm glad to help and, and love to continue the conversation. Great. Thanks for your time, Marty. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope to see you again very soon. Let me tell you what you can do next. You can visit the show notes for this episode. Just go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash, and then without a space, type the number of this episode. You'll get links and much more information about what we've been talking about. You can submit questions for future episodes. I love to answer your questions on the air, so go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash questions to submit them. You can stop by traditionalcookingschool.com to get five free traditional cooking videos from me. And finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the podcast app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Know Your Food with Wardy while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop or laptop, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash iTunes right in your browser. And while you're there, please leave a rating or review. I love to read your comments and your feedback makes it much more likely that other people will find this podcast. Thank you so much.